Well, it's been good to be here in God's house this morning at Porchlight Baptist Church on this first Sunday of the new year, 2022. I remember back when it turned 2021 and everybody was wondering if, uh, you know, we was going to have a better year than we did in 2020 because 2020 was terrible when the pandemic hit and then 2021 seemed to almost be doubly as bad. But I'm praying that the Lord just uh, helps us this year and things are going to turn around and uh, everything's going to be a lot better. Uh, that's that's the way we're going to have to think anyway. There ain't nothing we can do about it. We can't change it. And so we just, uh, whatever the Lord uh, does, that's what we're going we're gonna to have. And so it is good to be here. And every year at this time, I usually start out the first sermon by introducing our theme for the year. Now, last year, you may not remember this, but we didn't mention it a whole lot throughout the year. We kind of got on the back burner but our theme last year was uh, simply pressing toward the mark. And we took that from Philippians 3, 13 and 14, my very favorite verses, my life verses. And we were just simply talking about how we as a Christian, we as a church are going to keep pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so that was our theme last year. Now this year we have a different theme. And I've already announced it. I announced it yesterday on social media. It's simply the word of God. And the Word of God is the most important thing in every person's life. Whether you realize it or not, whether you're a Christian or not, you may not know it, but the Word of God is the most important book in a person's life, period. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And that's going to be our theme throughout this year. And it should be the theme of every church. The Word of God is the most important thing of a church, of a Christian, uh, of, of everything. And so... We want to focus and dwell on the Word of God because of how important it is. And we're going to look at our text this morning in Hebrews chapter 4, looking at one verse of Scripture to begin with. And I've got several others here that we're going to look at, but our main text is going to be out of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And let me do say, I do appreciate those that's prayed for us. We didn't get the stream last Sunday. We all were sick. Uh, I've, uh, we've been dealing with covid and bronchitis and everything else. So uh, we're finally getting out of that. My mother still has uh, uh, COVID and bronchitis, and she's she's on medication. And I'm praying for her and talked to her last night, and she uh, uh, she's uh, still sounding rough, but uh, she thinks she's getting better. And so you keep praying for her, and thank you for praying for my, my children. My daughter, Elizabeth, she had it real bad and was here for the holidays with us for a week and a half or so and we took care of her and so uh, I'm glad to have all that virus gone I believe we're all about out of it but uh, do keep praying for those that are still struggling with it but uh, we're going to take our text like I said out of the book of Hebrews if you have your copy of God's Word if you turn there Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 and we'll go ahead and read our text and here the Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than to any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Our Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning just asking for your help. Lord, we're nothing without you. We can't preach a lick, Lord, unless you just preach for us and through us. And we're relying upon that. Give us your strength, your wisdom, your power, your boldness. And may this word go out and do a mighty work in the hearts of men and women today. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen. 
Well, when you think about it, like I said, the Word of God is the most important thing in everyone's life, but especially for a Christian. Uh, the Bible is our guidebook. It's our, our field guide to life. It is our sole authority for our faith and practice when we come to worship and serve the Lord and live for the Lord. Uh, the Bible is that thing that connects us from heaven to and earth. It connects earth to heaven. It connects this physical to the spiritual. It's within the Bible, within God's word, that we learn everything we need to know when it comes to God. Everything that we can possibly know. Outside of this book, you may read a lot of books in your life that may be good books, but they don't compare to the Bible. The Bible is God's authoritative word. Uh, I noticed, or I've been looking at a lot of research lately, because at the end of the year, a lot of these places provide all the research. Well, Barna Research, of course, is probably one of the biggest when it comes to Christian matters. And so I downloaded the pastor's package yesterday and was examining all the the, uh, the statistics that they've done over the last year. They've got 2021 statistics out there. And believe it or not, the Word of God has actually increased in readership over the times of the pandemic. More people at home, more people are tuning in to uh, church services, religious services. They're reading more on their mobile devices and, of course, the tried and true hard copy of God's Word, which is, by the way, still the most popular among all age groups. Even the millennials and the Zs and X and Y generations, the hardback copy of God's Word is still the most popular form of the Bible. Uh, but looking through all this research, I find that uh, they say that um, one in six U.S. adults reads the Bible most days during the week. However, the same research shows that only 11% of America's, Americans say they have read the Bible through its in each, um, um, entirety. I almost didn't get that word out. But 11% of U.S. Christians say that they've read the Bible all the way through. Only 11%. That's pretty uh, uh, surprising. Well, really, it's not surprising. Uh, the church that I was formerly at, where I pastored for eight years, I introduced reading uh, the Bible through every year on, on uh, the new year. My wife and I, we, we do that. We get these plans that are readily available online. You can download a copy of it and print it out that uh, gives you verses you can read. There's all different types of them. Uh, we prefer the ones that go straight through, starting in Genesis all the way through Revelation. You can read a few verses a day, and by the end of the year, you've read the Bible entirely. Uh, but there, I was amazed at that time of in that church, there was only a handful of people that had ever read the Bible all the way through. And they told me this. Uh, one lady in particular, she was 70-something years old, been in church all her life, raised up in church, and, uh, you know, all this. And she had never read the Bible through. And she was excited to try. She said, I'm going to try, though. I'm going to use this plan that you gave out. And we're going to, I'm going to try to read the Bible all the way through. I don't know if she stuck to it or not. But uh, it's just, you know, amazing to think that people that say they love the Lord, people that uh, are saved and Christians, that don't read all of God's Word. And so, let me ask you this. If you fell in love with somebody, and you discovered that there was a book that was already published, and it told every single thing about that person that you could ever want to know, would you not go and get that book and read it from front to back? You would, from cover to cover, 
you would read every single word of that book about that person you loved. Well, why is it not the same with the Bible? We say we love Jesus. We get up in the choir and we sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. But I'm not going to read all the Bible. That doesn't make sense. If you love someone, you want to know all about them. Well, if you love the Lord, you want to know all about him. And he tells you about himself. He tells you about his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible's about. That's what it's for, is to introduce us to Christ. In the very last book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that's to reveal to us everything the Bible has said about this one precious son that will save the world from their sins. And so it's the revealing of Jesus there in the book of Revelation. And But Christ is all the way through the Bible from the very beginning, the book of Genesis, all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. And so this morning, with the help of the Lord, I want us to look at some of the truths in God's Word and look at this verse, and we're going to kind of pick this verse apart and look at a few words and, and phrases and things and see what they mean and how they apply to our lives. And so I want to read that text again, Hebrews 4 and 12. Look at it. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That first part of that verse there says the word of God is Quick. Now, you know, in our English language that we're used to, quick means fast, you know. That guy's quick. You know, Tony Stewart was my favorite NASCAR driver back before he retired, and he was quick. He was the quickest. Uh, but that's not what this means. What this means, this word quick actually translates to being to be alive or lively, is what that word quick means. In other words, God's word is alive. It's alive. It's a living, breathing thing. Uh, over in the book of Psalm 33 and 6, the Bible says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And so it's God-breathed. The Bible is God-breathed. The Holy Spirit has breathed these words and, and had human penmen, men, the human penmen that penned down the words, but God is the author. So there were men that wrote these down, inspired by God, and we'll read that verse in 2 Peter 1 and 20 through 21. says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this book that we're reading here, this tried and true authoritative King James Version of the Bible. This is God-breathed, God-inspired. The Holy Ghost is the one that authored this book and inspired men to write down these words. And so it is a live book. The same breath that spoke the heavens and earth into existence breathed life into man uh, out of the dust of the ground. We just started that reading of Genesis this yesterday on the 1st. And those first three chapters tells us about the creation of man, where God breathed into the nostrils of the man out of the dust of the ground. And he became a living soul, the Bible says. And so this same breath of God is the same breath that makes up his word. Now, for the word of God to be quick and alive, it must be God-breathed. Don't ever take man's word for anything. When it comes to religious matters, you can take advice, you can listen, you can compare but when it comes right down to it, God's word is the authoritative uh, one on, on everything about him. And you can read books by me, and I read a lot of books. I've got stacks of them in there and bookcases full of books. I've gave more books away than I own now, but 
you can read these and you can get inspired by men's writing and get very excited about some of the things. And you can enjoy them. But none of the world's books written by man, not inspired by God, is not going to give you life. There's no life found in any of the book except the Bible. Only the Bible can give you life because it is a living book from a living God. Psalm 84 2 says, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. The living God. Yes, friends, the Bible is a live book from a living God. The next part of that uh, text there in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says the, the word of God is powerful. Now, we all know what powerful means. But it means active, energetic, and effective here in our text. Active, energetic, and effective. Over in Isaiah 55 and 11, the Bible says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now, you may have noticed when I start preaching, but right before I start in the text, I'll say, if you have your copy of God's Word, that's not filler, friends. That's not something I just say just to sound good. Uh, what that means is you need to recognize that what you have in front of you is God's Word. I don't say, if you have your copy of Dr. Seuss, or if you have your copy of the Reader's Digest, or if you have your copy of the Guidepost. Now, while those books may not be bad books, they are not books that tell us about a living and true God, a God that will save. And so that's the first thing we want to recognize as we open up the Word of God. And by the way, you should have the Word of God with you at all times when you're sitting in front of preaching. You should follow along. You should have it ready and open and, and able to look through it and see if I'm telling you something wrong. You've got to look for yourself. But the Word of God, and so if you have your copy of God's Word, open it up to this text. Brother Sexton, Pastor Sexton, when I was going through seminary and still today, all the sermons that he ever preaches, he says, uh, um, I'd like for you to take the word of God, please. That's what he says before all of his messages. Uh, he helped me greatly during seminary learning the, the truths and uh, the importance to place on God's word during the preaching. And so, listen, I'm not going to get up here and read you somebody else's book and preach from it. I'm going to preach from the word of God. Now, the Bible is powerful enough to change men and women. Just the very words of it, because the very words can inspire. The very words is what draws men to God, and God is the one that seeks men out. And so what happens? God seeks you. You get curious. You pick up the Word of God. You read it. The Holy Ghost convicts your heart and, and, and enlightens it to you and, and uh, illuminates that Scripture and you realize you're lost and you need to be saved. And you realize how you can be saved. You can read in God's word what it means and, and uh, how that was possible and how Jesus came and died for your sins. You can find all that in the Bible and get saved just by reading the Bible. You know, it doesn't. You don't have to have a preacher come along and, and explain to you everything. The Bible itself can explain to you about salvation. You can be saved simply by reading God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it's not by the word of Byron, it's by the word of God. And so just reading God's word, you can be saved. And, uh, but the Bible is so powerful. The worst sinner in existence can read the Bible and be completely changed once the Lord gets hold of him. That once abusive husband can become a, a meek and gentle man. 
that once deadbeat mother or father can be a loving and transformed into a loving, caring parent. All because of the words of the Bible that drunk can become sober. The drug addict can become clean. The atheist can become righteous just by reading the word of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're not going to read that in anybody else's book. That's only in God's word. You're not going to become new. You're not going to become a new creature by reading some other book. Only the Bible. The Bible is the most powerful book on the face of the earth. Next in our text there, and back in uh, Hebrews 4 and 12, it says the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, I don't know if you see swords very much. We don't have a lot of those in existence today. Uh, a lot of people collect swords and uh, they, they hang them up on the wall. My son, he likes swords. and But a two-edged sword, that's something that you really don't see a lot of these days. And that is a weapon. A two-edged sword is a weapon. It slices and dices better than any Ginzu knife. And, and it goes both ways. It cuts this way, and you come back, it cuts that way. And that's what the Bible says. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. This word of God will cut you up one side and down the other. It'll penetrate your heart and prick that heart and cut you up one up to the top and down to the bottom and cross and sideways. And so you cannot escape the cutting path of the word of God. If, if it misses you in one direction, it'll get you in the next. And so it's sharper than any anything that's ever been created. It's cut down the mightiest of men. If you remember when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the Lord Jesus, what happened? The Bible says they were pricked in their heart because the word of God was preached. Anytime a man of God gets up and preaches out of this book, there's the, the, the possibility of hearts getting cut, sliced and diced and done a mighty work. Ephesians 6 and 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this two-edged sword is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What's the Word of God? It's your Bible. It's your Bible. It says, in that piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, this two-edged sword does. It's able to do that. I notice the sword pierces, meaning it's got a very sharp point. And the Bible has the ability to penetrate the toughest hearts. Listen, 1 Peter 1 and 23, the Bible says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so this dividing of the spirit and the soul of sunder. You know, a lot of people think the spirit and the soul is the same thing. I once believed that a long time ago, before I got into God's word and he revealed to us and his word. They're two separate things. You can't separate something that's the same thing. I mean, you can cut it down the middle, but this separates the difference. It shows there's a difference between spirit and soul. We see that division in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, talking to the church at Thessalonica, he's explaining that you're made up of three different divisions. You've got a body, you've got a spirit, and you've got a soul. Think of it like a big circle with two other circles in the middle of it. And you can divide those out, and they're, they're layered. One's your body, one's your spirit, and one's your soul. They're separate things. And so our text gives us two different descriptions of how God's word can pierce and divide. First, the soul from the spirit. 
and then the second, the joints for the marrow. Now, we know what the marrow is inside the joints, right? Get a chicken bone, get a chicken leg, break it in half, look in it, that's marrow. <laughs> the word of God is powerful enough to even divide the marrow from the bone. And that's pretty powerful. You must first get through that layer of bone, though, to get to the marrow. And that's what the Word of God will do. It'll keep on cutting. It'll keep slicing and dicing and penetrating and, and, and going through until it reaches the very marrow of your bone. Uh, Jeremiah says, what, what, what was he said uh, about his bones? Uh, he, he couldn't quit preaching because, because it was down in his bones. But the same uh, spirit, uh, you must get through the soul to reach the spirit. And so that's why we often seems seems that the soul and the spirit are the same. But clearly God's word teaches us they're two different things and they can be divided. Our soul is that thing that's often burdened. You know, you hear people say, I'm just burdened to my soul. My soul is so distraught. Uh, that's what gives us the bad thoughts, the bad intentions, the burdens, the problems. Our soul does this. And it keeps us from being, a lot of times, a Christian that we need to be. Our soul will disrupt things because it's unhealthy. Most people have a very unhealthy soul. They live life like the devil. They live life like the world all week long and then think they can come to church, sit on the pew and be all holy and, and be okay. No, that's not how it works. You are to live for the Lord 24 seven uh, days a week, 365 and leap years. And so we must maintain our souls the Bible says in 3 John 1 and 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. But the soul is not the spirit. They're two different things. The Bible teaches us that the Lord is with our spirit. 2 Timothy 4 and 22, the Bible says, The Lord Jesus be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. That's Paul's writing to his young son in faith, Timothy. And I've got so many references here that Paul talking to Timothy and how important the word of God is for him. But he wants him to pay attention about God, the Lord Jesus, being with your spirit. You see, if you constantly push the Lord out of your life all week long, he's not there. He's still with you, but you push him away. And so you don't have that spiritual connection you need. You don't have that fellowship that you need. And so we need to live for the Lord daily. So what have we seen so far about God's word? Well, we've seen it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can separate your soul and spirit. It can separate the bone from the, the marrow. It, it's a, it says next, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, if nothing else scares you, that right there ought to do it. God's word has the ability, the power to discern your thoughts and your intents down in your heart. And so that word discerner means to judge or make a decision. Lord knows everything down in your heart. The word of God has the power to judge a man's thoughts and his intents. Now, a lot of people have a lot of bad intentions and they can keep it hidden. There's people that, that go about uh, seeking revenge and they'll treat you like their best friend to set you up for their revenge. And the intents of their heart is wicked and evil. You can't see it. They can hide it, but they can't hide it from God. The Bible says that the word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so many times we're told in the Bible that what proceeds out of our mouth comes from our heart. 
Matthew 15 and 19 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. And so listen, we can say a lot of things. We can make a lot of wide, boastful comments. Uh, we can flatter people with our lips and pretend and pay lip service. But listen, a man's true thoughts proceeds from his heart. And his actions will soon follow. And they'll be revealed. Matthew 15 and 8. The Bible says this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. And honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. Every time I see that, that verse in the Bible. I think about people that. And myself. I'll include myself. That, that want to live on their own all week long. And, and do what they want to do. And what's in it for me. And we're very selfish people. And then we want to come to church and be holy. We want to stand up and sing all the hymns and, and uh, act so, you know, spiritual. But the Lord says, yeah, you, you can draw an eye on me with your mouth and your lips. You can say a lot of flattering, boastful things. But you know what? Your heart ain't nowhere near me. I know your wicked heart. It's wicked above all things. Who can know it? Number one problem, though, most people have when it comes to the Word of God is they just don't read it. They just don't read it. It is still the number one best-selling book in the world. Always has been, always will be. Will the New York Times put it on the top of their list these days? No, they don't have it there. If you go look up the New York Times best-selling list, it does not list the Bible as the number one book. It has a different book. I don't remember the name of it. I don't, I don't read those books like that. But the Bible is still the number one book in the world, the best-seller. The Guinness Book of World Records in 2021, still declared, declared it the most sold book in the world. Over 5 billion copies have been sold. 5 to 7, they say, billion copies. There is no other book even near that. Nowhere close. The Koran doesn't even scratch the surface of that. 800 million of the Koran, they say, have been sold. Compared to 5 to 7 billion copies of the Christian Bible. That's saying a lot, friends. But you know where most of those copies go? in the back of a church pew, on the, the shelf, on the dash of a car, in a seat, on a coffee table, in the end table. They go in all these places and they very rarely get picked up and read. So while it may be the most sold, it's the least known book to most people. And so, listen, Proverbs 14 and 12 says, There's a way which seemeth right, unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It seems right to me that we ought to go buy a Bible. Seems right to me we ought to stick it on the shelf and be proud of it. And anybody ask us, we stand on the Bible. Yeah. Okay, what's it saying there? Well, I'll open it up and read it to you. <laughs> yeah, that, that, listen, people are not reading the Bible. Men and women today, they seem to feel they have no need for the Bible. Uh, why would we need the Bible? We just go on Google and find out everything we need to know about life and living. You know, uh, they think they should be able to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. The problem is that is unbiblical living. If you're a Christian today, we're obligated, we're expected by God to live a holy and acceptable life unto him. And one of those things that we are to do is to read his word, not neglect it. People today, they don't base their thoughts and ideas on the Bible. Used to, they did. Used to, you can read the headlines of papers, they would have portions of the Bible quoted in their headlines. A lot of those famous sayings that we have today 
are from the Bible. People don't know that, but they are. They're from the Bible. And so, but today, men and women don't think of the Bible the very first thing. Uh, another thing that Pastor Sexton used to say that had a great impact on me in seminary, he said, our philosophy needs to be based on our theology, and our theology must come from the Word of God. Look, there's a lot of great men and a lot of great women. They've done a lot of great things. They've come up with a lot of great ideas, invented a lot of great inventions. But the only thing that we are need to get our theology from, our philosophy, our theology must come from God's Word. A lot of people will get some famous man's book. They'll say, I'm going to base my life and my theology on what he said, you know, mouthy tongue or sung or whatever his name is. Uh, I don't remember what his name is. I don't care what his name is. But some of these, these big famous people, you know, uh, some people even base their, their beliefs and theology on, on things that, that Hitler wrote. A lot of people say, well, you know, Hitler was a genius. Yeah, he was a genius, burning in hell. Uh, listen to me. Our philosophy and it must come from our theology, and our theology must come from the Word of God. And uh, listen, as Christians, we must base our ideas, our thoughts, everything that we do on what God's Word says. You know, what was that book? Uh, baby book, everybody got, was it Dr. Spock, was that the name of it? Wrote some baby book, I, I don't know, I've heard about it all my life. And that's, you know, oh, every new mother needs one of those books to learn how to raise her kid. <laughs> Probably one of the worst things that's ever happened. Uh, listen, whatever mama needs and every daddy needs to read their children is God's Word, the Bible. And look, I know, you know, not everybody can understand the Bible. And certainly if you're lost, you can't understand the Bible. You can understand it enough that God illuminates the Scripture enough to show that you're lost and you can get saved. But as far as knowing the deep things of God, if you're not saved, you cannot discern the Bible. Because the Bible says that it is spiritually discerned. If you're not saved, you're not spiritual. You may be spiritual in, in wicked things, but not in God's things, not in holy things. And so, uh, listen, men can study the Bible, and they do. Atheists study the Bible. There's probably more atheists that's read the Bible through than, than most Christians because they can get up and defend their, their wicked beliefs to most Christians because most Christians don't know the Bible. And they say, well, you know, your Bible says this and chapter this and verse that. And those like, because they don't know. But listen, I, um, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. He's writing to that troubled church and they've got questions about things. And he's telling them about spiritual things, heavenly things, uh, uh, things they need to base their philosophy and theology on. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, But as it is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. And we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 
but he that is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, I know it seems like a lot of times our mind is not the mind of Christ. But listen, if you're saved, you have that connection with Christ. He lives in you. And you have the ability to have the mind of Christ. And that comes from his word. His word. The truth is the average Christian only reads the Bible when they go to church. And the preacher gets up and starts reading. Or they're in Sunday school and they've got the Bible open. And that's about the extent of most people's Bible reading. Look, Bible study is sometimes it's hard work. It's something you have to pour, put effort into. You know, it's not going to come up and read itself to you. <laughs> the Bible's not going to come and knock you on the head every morning and say, Hey, it's time to read me. No, it doesn't do that. You have to put forth effort to pick it up, open it up, and start reading. You know, it's odd to me that people are willing and ready to read all these other books in the world cover to cover. But yet, when it comes to the Bible, I just can't understand the Bible. I'm not going to read that. You know, all that Old Testament stuff and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all that, I can't understand that. Yeah, well, but but yet they can read all these other books. It, it's just disturbing, really. Uh, you can imagine what the Lord thinks about that kind of uh, excuse from people. Lord, I, I wanted to read your word, but I just couldn't understand, so I just didn't read it. Well, I don't know how that's going to work out for you, but I don't think it's going to very well. Uh Look, people get all caught up in all these latest rage books like Beth Moore, which is a heretic, by the way. If you're reading Beth Moore, you need to throw that out. Max Licato, I feel about the same about that. T.D. Jakes, you can throw his out too. Uh, the guidepost is pretty good. But uh, listen, the people get all caught up in all these so-called religious books, bestseller books. Go to, well, Lifeway's closed now. You can't go in a Lifeway store, but you can still get them online. All they advertise is all these books by all these people, uh, these uh, uh that really are heretics, most of them. Listen, what you need to stick with is the Bible. But there are many good Christian books. I'm not going to say, you know, you can't read books. I, Like I said, I've got tons of them. But you always need to refer back to the Bible. You know, I love J. Vernon McGee, but I'm going to check him first before I agree with him. I love to read John MacArthur. Yes, he's a Calvinist. I know, everybody flogged me. I love to read his, his uh, sermons and his writings. But I'm going to check him in the Bible first. The King James Bible, by the way. And so, look, to know the Bible, you must read it and you must study it. God expects us to do that. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Whoa, wait a minute. You mean to be approved unto God, I have to study? Well, that flies in the face of a lot of preachers I know. He spends all of his time studying. All he needs to get up there and, and just open up the, the Word of God and preach whatever the Lord gives him on his heart. He ought not be in there studying all that time. That's the most foolish thing I've ever heard. He says, A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And so it's not enough just to read the words and, and then come up with what you think it all mean in your mind. It doesn't work like that. The scripture is inspired by God, and so we rightly divide the word of truth. You don't just go in here and pick out one verse and say, well, that right there is a hill I'm dying on. You better check out the rest of the Bible. Make sure that what you're doing is correct, because a lot of things you read may be referring to something else. The Lord a lot of times is speaking to the Pharisees and saying certain things, 
you don't want to want to follow. And so there are some people that actually think a preacher should not study. He should not prepare a sermon. He's got notes. I ain't going to listen to nobody get perfect notes. Okay, well, I can stand up here and, and blabber around without a note and and uh, get lost and, and get all red and hot in the face. And that's what most a lot of people want. They want somebody to get up there and huff and puff and blow your house down, turn red and spit and go on. You know, not say much of anything at all. I can yell out a bunch of Bible words and, and get a lot of amens and, and uh, get all excited and get people, you know, worked up. That's not helping you at all. I want you to know, if you want to know about God's Word, you need to listen to it, you need to study it and meditate upon it and, and apply it to your heart. That's what preaching's for. And by the way, I'm going to do a message on this not too long from now about how did Jesus preach. And it's going to ruffle some feathers because the way he preached has is nothing at all the way most people preach at all. And so a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, Matthew 10 and 19 preachers aren't, aren't supposed to aren't supposed to prepare. Matthew 10 19 says, But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Well, that's it. Preachers ought not to prepare. He'll give it to them right there when they stand up. Now, listen, I know God will give you a message. Uh, the Holy Ghost will, will get a hold of you and you can get up and preach. And you may not have a single note or an outline or even prepared. I believe that. You can do that. But do you think you're supposed to rely upon that every single time you get up? Three services a week or four or whatever it is. Get up every time and not have a clue what you're going to do. You're going to find you're going to start preaching the same text all the time. I've said under that preaching. I've said under it. Listen, preaching is to teach you God's word. You know what Jesus was? He was a teacher. That's what Jesus was. And so that's what we're to do. We're to teach people. Uh, so that verse in Matthew ten nineteen wasn't referring to preachers at all or pastors at all. It wasn't. It was referring to martyrs, people that were going out and they were getting persecuted. And, and the Lord told them, listen, when, when it comes that time, I'll tell you what to say to them when they get you under pressure. That's what he's talking about. I'm not talking about preparing a sermon. Real preachers study, they prepare, and that's why the Apostle Paul, when he was in prison, writing to Timothy, and he's expecting Timothy to come at any time. And he started giving him a list of things to bring along with him. And you remember just before he said, Demas have forsaken me and this and that. And, and uh, uh, then he says, listen, Timothy, I want you to bring some things. 2 Timothy 4.13. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Why would Paul want the books and the parchments, especially the parchments? You know what the parchments were. It's the scrolls. It's the word of God. It was the Old Testament written on scrolls. And he says, you know, if you have to leave my cloak behind, that's fine. But you bring me the parchments. Bring me the word of God. I've got to study. I've got to meditate. I've got to prepare. So if all Paul needed, you know, was to wait around and let the Lord light him up, you know, when it's time, then why would he put such emphasis on Timothy bringing the parchments? He needed to prepare. But like I said, the parchments would have been the Old Testament text. And so too many preachers base their messages on ideas or thoughts that they have. Uh, you know, or and they'll just look around for a passage of scripture to fit their, their thought. Or they'll see something on Facebook and they'll get all excited about it and they'll say, 
that'd make a good message. And so they'll get on Sunday and they'll preach a Facebook message. That's what they'll do. And try to fit a piece of scripture into it. How many preachers have you heard gets up and says, okay, turn to, you know, uh, uh, so-and-so, and they'll read that verse, and then they'll go away from it and never mention it again. It was only their excuse to read some verses before they got off onto their little high horse or whatever, their soapbox or whatever. Listen, uh, I don't believe in that. I don't even like alliterated outlines. Uh, but listen, I don't believe that God intends us to not prepare and not be ready to be able to deliver God's word. That's why Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. All right, lastly, and we'll be finished. To properly study God's word, it requires two more things. It requires prayer, and it requires meditation. Prayer and meditation. Some people sadly mistake Bible reading as some chore they've got to get through. And you can, you can do, you get like that. Especially if you're doing things like trying to read through the Bible and you get to those hard passages in Leviticus and, and all those uh, descriptions of the tabernacle and all the things that God you know, uh, planned for Moses to, to build. And you can get some of those and you can start thinking, man, oh man, I'm never going to get through this. And it becomes a chore to you. And you know, the other day I was thinking about all those books uh, or uh, names, like in Numbers. And you read all those lists of names, you know, begat this and begat him and begat that. And, and you think, why in the world do I need to read that? Think about this. That was their genealogy. That was one of the most important things to them. Right now, I'm studying my family's genealogy. I found out all kinds of things. I mean, I've got people that did such things. I've traced them all the way back to Ireland. And I am so grateful for those that's kept up the information about the family line. What if you didn't know where you came from? That'd be sad. I like knowing my, my grandfather, Lauren, and my great-grandfather, Daniel Stewart, and my great-great-grandfather, uh, uh, James Knox Polk, and uh, just keeps going up the line, John Sterling and, and such. I love to hear about that. Well, that's what they did in the book of Numbers. That was their genealogy, and they could go back and look at it and say, well, I, this is my great-great-great-great-grandfather, you know, and go back. And trace it back. That's the way they did the Lord Jesus. You go into the, the Gospels. When Jesus was born, they traced his line all the way back. And so those are important things. It may seem like a chore, but read those things. And it, it'll help you. Uh, my first assignment in seminary was to read through the Bible in three months. And I tell you, it was grueling. Did I remember anything I read in that three months time? No, hardly any of it. It was just a chore to get through with it. It was grueling, and I retained very little of what I read. You know why? I wasn't meditating on it. I wasn't contemplating it and praying over it and, and asking the Lord to reveal to me. I was just saying, boy, i got to get through this book and this book. I'd look at the time. I'd look at the calendar. I'd look at everything. You know, i got to get through this so I can get through this semester. And so that was all it was to me. But for the Scripture to really take a hold and to sink in and to be revealed to you, you must pray over it and meditate on it. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, the Bible says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. 
and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. You see what the Lord's doing there. He's trying to make us realize that we need to incorporate the word of God, the scripture, into our daily lives, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays. Or, or during Sunday school, or Bible study, or whatever. No, it's a daily walk with the Lord through his word that we need to, to understand. And we need to apply it and absorb it into our hearts. It needs to be engraved on our hearts. Uh, you know, don't think things such as, oh, I've got to read this verse a thousand times. I don't need to read it anymore. I've read it so much, and it doesn't matter. I'm amazed at how many times I've been reading the Bible same passage I've read probably a thousand times, and suddenly the Lord shines a light on it. And I'm like, whoa, I never noticed that. I, I can't believe I missed that. All these years, I've never seen that, but yet have read that verse over and over and over. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> he does that. And so listen, uh, as we end this first message here in 2022, I want to remind you of one thing that Paul said to Timothy. Listen to it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Paul writes this. He says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You want to be perfect? You want to be righteous? You want to have these instructions? You need to study God's word. Be a, a studier. Be a, uh, here Paul is telling Timothy, you need to, to get in the scripture Stay in there. Remember those things. Uh, Timothy was blessed to have a mother and a grandmother that applied the scriptures to his life. Paul says, don't forget those things. Those are important. Look, we need to understand as a, as a church, as Christians, as mothers and fathers, grandparents, the most important thing in a person's life is the word of God. You may think the next Disney movie is the most important thing coming up. It's not. That Disney movie will, will be burned up one day and you'll never, you know, uh, we'll leave this walk of life and that Disney movie will not go with you. But there's one thing here on this earth that will go with us and it's the word of God. It will go with us. It'll follow us all the way to our heavenly home. And so it is very important. So this, this coming year, 2022, we don't know what it holds for us. Maybe another bad year, maybe a great year. We don't know. Whatever it is, we need to remember the Word of God. The Word of God. Keep it first and foremost on our hearts and in our minds. Meditate upon it. Pray upon it. And the Lord will, will penetrate your heart with His Word and write it on your heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the message today. Lord, thank you for your precious and holy Word that you gave us. Lord, without it, we wouldn't know you. Lord, without it, we'd go to hell. Lord, without it, we wouldn't know how to be saved. God, thank you so much for showing us the way. Thank you so much for introducing us to Jesus Christ. Lord, help us be the ones to lead others to you. Lord, to introduce them to the word of God. Lord, may we teach it to our children, our grandchildren. May we tell it to our neighbors. May we tell it to our coworkers. 
May we spread it across the world wide web. Lord, everything about your word. And God, I know, like you said in your word, it will not be returned unto you void because we know it's powerful. It's quick. It's alive. It'll penetrate. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for our church. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been good to be here today. I'm excited. We got to preach here on the first Sunday of the, of the year. Didn't know if it's going to be able to. I uh, was supposed to be at Northside Baptist today, but because of all the sickness and the coronavirus that uh, we've been exposed to and had, uh, I told Brother Scott we wouldn't be able to. So uh, he said he'd find another time for us to come out. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that. But uh, it, it is good to be here, and I pray that everybody has a, a wonderful new year. And uh, all hearts and minds clear today. In fear of the Lord, we're separated.